0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 265. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by EduCom. EduCom is designed by educators, creating mindfulness for students, and these creators are also Lively Show listeners and Flow With Intention online members. They are teaching parents and educators how to live the principles of flow, alignment, emotional selection, and how to choose their thoughts. They're teaching the parents and educators so that they can in turn teach the children. This is something that's been coming up more and more and more here in Flow With Intention and here on the show. How do I teach my kids this stuff? EduCom is the answer for that. It's an online school for parents to learn how to help and teach their children about emotion, self-awareness, and mindfulness. They also have teacher and educator aspect as well to help their students learn these principles in school before class start. How cool is that? This is the stuff that people have been asking for and actually has now been created. If you wanna try this out for yourself, if you're a parent or an educator, head over to educalm.com slash lively. I'm gonna spell that out for you guys. It's E-D-U-C-A-L-M-E. So educalm with an E, dot com slash lively when you head over there, they have a free mindfulness practice on emotion and 10% off all the online courses in the online school. So like I said, if you guys have kids and you've been wondering, how do I teach this to my children? This is a place to start. The stories that I've been hearing from Kelsey, who has created this and one of the founders, it is incredible to hear how these kids are actually using their five finger breathing when their parents are getting upset at them and so much more. It's so cool to see the kids starting to implement this in their lives and loving it so much much. Now let's move on. to Today's episode, before I get to it, we're in Sydney, but I am actually leaving this weekend. So at the end of the episode, I'll tell you where I'm headed to next. But in the meantime, I've been in Sydney this week and teaching Flow With Intention. And we have one of our favorite guests, or at least one of my favorite guests of 2017 back on the show again we have Dr. Jacob Lieberman. He's an optometrist and an author, and you may remember him as the amazingly, pretty much, I would almost say, enlightened or if not extremely close to totally enlightened person who's been here on the show sharing and is the person who wrote the book, Take Off Your Glasses and See. He's the person who naturally healed his own eyesight and inspired me to try to do the same myself. Jacob has a new book out this week called Luminous Life, How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living, which is fascinating for all those science people out there like myself that like to learn about photons and light and also the spiritual people out there that don't necessarily wanna be inundated with the too super nitty gritty science stuff. This is a beautiful blend of a book that talks about the science and the spirit interchangeably in a beautiful way. And it really did help me to understand consciousness and its connection to light and science sight, and how light and sight are connected to the law of attraction. It is a fascinating discussion, and for anyone that's interested in quote-unquote channeling, maybe you've heard Esther channel Abraham, well, Jacob, as you'll hear, is going to basically channel his own inner being. So he's going to go from one moment to the next, sharing what's coming to his mind. But you'll notice that he's not speaking the way most of us would be speaking. He's letting it come to him and through him, which is also fascinating as well. Let's go to the show. Jacob, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It is
1: such a wonderful pleasure to be with you again, Jess.
0: I know. I feel so connected to you and your work and everything that you're about. So let's start by quickly going over where you are and how you got there, even though we've already done it in the past. What's a quick overview of your story?
1: You know, my background is that I was trained as a vision specialist, an optometrist, as well as a vision scientist and I've been involved in both of those fields since the early 70s and as an eye doctor you're very involved in helping people to fix different situations to in my case I worked with thousands of children that had learning difficulties I work with athletes that were trying to up their game I work with people who wanted to improve their eyesight naturally, and many, many other kinds of things. And then that sort of took me into the area of light therapy, and I was utilizing light to help people desensitize from the emotional triggers that were stressing them and creating stress on many, many different levels in their lives and affecting their health, their relationships, their view of life, and so on. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all interested in the same thing, health and happiness. And even though we've had an amazing amount of scientific discoveries that have allowed us to live longer and perhaps to treat diseases that we could never treat, we still have more disease, more stress and more discontent than we've ever had not only individually, but in the world as a whole. And if you're very fortunate, those of us that begin in the medical and scientific fields, which I am one of those people, if you're very fortunate, you eventually graduate from being a doctor and a scientist to being a bit of a mystic, because as we get older, we realize that we, most of us are successful at everything except our lives. For most people, they're not happy. They're involved in jobs, occupations or professions that don't really fulfill their lives. Most people are in relationships that they sort of stay together because of convenience and so on. And even though they at one time fell in love, somewhere in the process, even though they live together, they've fallen out of love. And what's happened in my life is that what is most intriguing to me are the underpinnings of living a successful life. How can I experience and feel content whether I'm making a lot of money or not? How can I see the fact that the body sometimes goes through diseases and so on. But it's not a personal thing. It's just that a body like a car occasionally needs fixing or needs adjusting on one level or another. So life has taken me from the doctor scientist to just a humble human being that is really interested in having a lovely life feeling deeply connected with other people, feeling deeply in love with my partner and feeling like while I'm here, if possible, if I can make an imprint in some way that can be of help to people, that's really my desire. Gandhi said it beautifully. He said, my life is my message. So for me, what is up for me in my life is how can Every step of my life be the message that I'm attempting to share without having to perhaps even speak about it. And so this new book, which is the fourth from me, Luminous Life, How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living, is really not about fixing, but it's about the fact that there is something in this universe That is breathing life into everything. You know that when I went to school, they spoke to us about something called Arndt's Law of Physiology. And this is a law that states that very subtle stimuli create an excitation. Moderate stimuli promote movement in the body, but strong stimuli shut everything down. And what the message of Arndt's law is, is that the less we do, the more occurs. That literally something very subtle can be incredibly impactful. And then there are other laws like the law of parsimony or the law of least effort that basically notice that existence is fundamentally economical. Everything within existence and within life functions with minimal, if any, effort. And we see this as we look at Mother Nature. Well, what's profound about that is that biblically, if you look back at spiritual traditions, many, many different backgrounds of spirituality and religion speak about a creator, And most of the time we speak of the creator as God. The Bible said that God is light. The Bible also says that God is love. So there's some equivalence between the creative force, something we call light, and something we call love. Interestingly enough, physicists, if you ask them, what is the ground of reality? Where does everything... Emerge from. And they will let you know that the fundamental energy from where everything emerges is the energy we call light, which is actually formless. It's not a thing, it has no form. You can't really describe it. And that's why the laws of quantum physics are so difficult for people to understand because when the Bible speaks of God, as being all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere at the same time, you don't think much about that. But when you speak to a physicist and they describe light using different words but meaning the same thing, that light seems to know everything, that light seems to be all-powerful and it seems to be everywhere at the same time. And so quantum physics is impossible to understand with the mind because it is beyond anything logical. And so the Bible says that God, what it refers to as light, that all of creation is created in God's image, essentially meaning that if God is light, everything in creation is also light. Physicists say that everything Emerges, everything that is solid is actually frozen light. The very renowned theoretical physicist David Bohm made that statement all matter is frozen light. And so what's fascinating about that is it essentially means that everything that we experience, everything solid, including ourselves, is actually made of light. We're light beings. Now, when you hear that statement, you could say, gee, that's a pretty new agey statement that, that we are light beings. But think about this. When you took your first course in science and they spoke about the fact that humans reside on a planet called Earth. And Earth is one of the planets that rotates and orbits around the Sun the Sun and the planets that orbit around it is called the solar system the problem is no one ever told us that solar system means of or derived from light meaning that we are made of light so I'll make just one or two more statements to close this one up light has a very fascinating behavior. When light is traveling from one place to another, regardless what the medium is that it has to go through, it always gets to where it's going in the fastest amount of time. In other words, it always takes the quickest path, the most efficient, the most economical path. So what does that mean to us? Science is beginning to recognize that all the signals going on in the body are signals of light. It's an exchange of what they call biophotons. These signals travel at the speed of light. And wherever they're going, they always take the quickest route, the most efficient route. Well, that tells you something about our lives. Our lives are not only made up of light, dependent upon light, but guided by light. And what that means is that every action that light guides us in is always the most efficient way to go. And so the book is speaking about the fact that we are guided by light. And when We come to this realization and we allow ourselves to live without a net. We allow ourselves to be guided by light. And what does that mean? Because people say, well, I sometimes get an intuition. What we call intuition is just a very subtle signal via light that we become aware of. And so the more aware we become, the more our perception, the more our state of mind, the more our biology begins to flow in a frictionless state with little if any effort and with little if any stress. And so this book is talking about how to come to a place where we're living a luminous life.
0: Beautifully said, I love that. You're the easiest person to interview in the world. (laughs) I'll just let you go. But let me also tie in some great things that you just said for all the Abrahamsters out there that love Abraham Hicks like I do. What you're describing in scientific and Christian Bible context is a lot of stuff that Abraham's talked about. For those that are used to that material, you will recognize that you say the path of least resistance is the term that you're saying is the most frictionless path then you also are saying that light is guiding us. And you're speaking to that internally and external in terms of the inspired action. So the inspired action is what Abraham interprets your idea of what light is calling us to next. And also they speak just like you do, that there's not effort. Now, people always get confused when they hear the words not effort because they think, wait, am I going to do nothing? Am I sitting cross-legged on a mountaintop? What's going on here? What it means is it's not that you're not going to take action, it's just that the action itself will not, like you said, have friction. So you will take inspired action, which is from a place of joy, peace, or positive emotion, rather than efforting and feeling like you're pushing against something. You're flowing, again, as you had said, and also they say all the time, in the river, through the path of least resistance. So beautifully said, and I think that'll tie in with a lot of things people have been hearing from other sources as well.
1: You know, in the East, they speak of what Abraham speaks of and what you just spoke about as non-doing and non-knowing. And again, when we think in dualistic terms, we think of doing as being in action And non-doing as doing nothing. Non-doing actually is a state of optimal presence, optimal readiness for anything that comes so in touch with the instance that we pick up the subtlest of movements moving us in one direction or another. You see this with animals in the wild, They're not doing anything, but they're so in that moment that the subtlest movement of a blade of grass, sometimes a half a mile away, can move them to perk up and recognize that they need to move in a certain direction. And if allowed, that guidance that comes in actually moves us in that direction. We would have to work not to allow that inspired action to occur on its own. It's quite fascinating when one actually experiences this in real time, and all of a sudden you find yourself just where you need to be precisely at the right time, and you wonder, how did I get here?
0: Do you want to hear an interesting story of me in a practical sense, so not on the Serengeti? (laughs) Sure. All right. So as people know, and as you know, I've been on this sight journey. So I have been not wearing glasses 99.9% of the time. And I've had a negative four prescription for those that know negative four is pretty substantial. So I have not been wearing them, guys. And when I go to the mall, there's two experiences at the Westfield Mall, downtown Sydney. (laughs) So I can go with glasses or I can go without. So Jacob's helped me get a negative two prescription. So half the strength of my old prescription. So it definitely clarifies things, but it's still not crystal clear. It's still not 2020 in my eyes, but it helps me so that I can read the menu on a board behind the counter sort of thing well. When I go without the glasses, the first experience I had was very frustrating because I couldn't see the clothing in the stores very well. If I'm, let's say, walking down the hallway, I can't tell if I want to go into a store because I can't tell if I like the clothes because I can't see them in enough detail to go, is this a store for me? Is this more a store my mom would like? You know, I can't really tell enough. So it was very frustrating and I had this fear that I was going to not catch the visual of something I might like because it couldn't catch my eye because I couldn't see it clearly. So that was my first experience. Then I got the glasses and you helped me get them. So I started using those and while it was better because I could see things clearer, I found when I wear the glasses, here's what I find and this also goes back to our first episode together. At first I was frustrated because I couldn't see stuff, right? So that's not a great emotion. (laughs) Second time, wear the glasses, I notice I start to feel inferior or I start to feel emotionally more insecure when I'm shopping with the glasses on. So weird just to watch this as I've done this through probably maybe six times now, back and forth between the glasses and without. When I wear the glasses, yes, I can see more clearly, but I also can end up having more emotionally insecure experiences where I start worrying about feeling too old or feeling not pretty enough, all these sorts of emotional things, which your first book, Take Off Your Glasses in a Sea, explains how, The emotional triggers of things we don't want to see can actually narrow our sight and vision in the first place. So maybe that's why I need glasses in the first place. So wearing the glasses now, I notice I'm more insecure, but yes, I can see more objectively, if you will.
1: So if I heard you correctly, you're saying when I put on glasses, I can see more of the form, but I begin to miss the formless
0: while I start to feel less secure. Now, here's the third option. There's actually another step. There's another way for me to go into the mall. It's not just with glasses or without glasses. There's with glasses or without glasses, and there's two ways to go to the mall without glasses. And you're gonna love this one, Jacob. (laughs) I know you will. The third way is to go without the glasses. Yes, I can put them on in the changing room if I wanna see more clearly, but to go into the mall with the expectation That what I need to see, I will see. That the light that you're talking about will guide me to the experiences and the products and the stores and the situations that are right for me, rather than trying to see everything in case I have a fear of missing out, a FOMO moment, instead of worrying about that, trusting in the universe to guide me through light and vision of what I can see clearly enough, or like if it catches my eye to go towards it to see it in depth. And that experience, I don't feel the negative emotions I do with the glasses on.
1: Let's see if I can translate that a little bit in a way that will make more sense. So I want to say something that I said before. You put on the glasses and you feel like you're seeing clearer, but there's another level of feeling things where you don't feel as much. And, you know, this reminds me of when I was an eye doctor and a person would come in for an examination. We would put them behind an instrument. The instrument would literally eliminate their peripheral vision, their vision out to their sides. And the whole examination was based on their response to the question, which is better, number one or number two, which is essentially what we call a judgment. When you put glasses on, It diminishes your field of vision. The field of vision is not only what's happening to your sides. It's your feel of reality rather than your view of reality. So glasses allow you to scrutinize things more carefully in terms of the eye, but you actually are less in touch with yourself and with the subtleties of life. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. When we say we see more clearly, what we're talking about are the forms. In this case, you were talking about shopping. So dresses or clothing of one sort or another. But what we know is that the eyes are designed to detect and respond to a single photon of light. Now, a photon of light, is a non-thing. It has no form. All it is, is invisible energy. When I say it's invisible, I mean it defines invisibility. There is no way to ever see a photon. And yet, the eye is designed to detect it and respond to it. One single photon. What does that mean? It means that the physical eyes are actually designed, along with the physical body, to respond to things that we cannot see. To respond to the subtlest of signals from life that will move us this way or this way without us knowing why. Because it's moving so fast at the speed of light and it's such a subtle level. So when you just spoke about trust, your body is designed and life is designed for you to be guided without you even knowing how or why, not only the most efficient way, but to precisely where you need to get to. This is exactly what you're uncovering in your experiment by removing your glasses. You went from removing your glasses and feeling incredibly insecure to wearing something that was 50% weaker, half the prescription, and feeling, oh, at least I can see a little bit. And now you're seeing so much more than you were before because now you're actually seeing What occurs when you put the glasses on? Oh, yeah, it does something to the eyeball and allows me to drive a car. But then it obscures these very subtle signals of life that allow me to feel in touch and trusting of life. And when those signals are obscured, I become insecure. It's like when you look at a tree. Most people, when they look at a tree, all they imagine is what they see above the ground. But three quarters, three times the size of what's above the ground are the roots beneath the ground, totally invisible to us. The same thing in our lives. If you take the roots away from a tree, it becomes unstable. If you take our roots into the unseen world... We feel emotionally unstable. That's why Jonathan Swift said real vision is the ability to see the invisible. So there are just some fascinating aspects of the way the body works, which are so different than what we think. And what the new book is essentially trying to speak to and share with the reader is that Most of us are living according to what we think, to our beliefs about life. And what I speak about in the book is that truth actually means the opposite of belief. And so when someone like Jesus spoke in the Bible of the truth shall set you free He was speaking about an ultimate truth, not something that changes as we know more or less, but something that is unchanging. And so the book is attempting to share truth beyond opinion, things that I have had very profound, direct experiences with that I can't really speak about with words if I think about it. But if I allow, just as what's happening now in this lovely conversation, the message comes through all by itself.
0: Yes, you're channeling, to use a term that people are familiar with.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. In fact, we're all channeling.
0: So here's an interesting thing, Jacob, that I have noticed about the site. So for those that have clear sight, Wonderful. And actually, Abraham, recently I listened to a sight video and they said, you know, people notice the difference between their sensory ability with sight. And also we do it with sound to a degree. People do have hearing aids. But they said there's restriction in all of our senses to some form or another. We just are most fixated as a society on the sight aspect. Exactly. So like we can totally have other restrictions. So though you may have sight, just recognize other senses could be enhanced or restricted. But here's what I've noticed, Jacob. Okay, so I'm into law of attraction. And yes, there's probably emotional things in my past that I didn't want to see. And I've now noticed, as you asked me to, to focus on the appreciation I have for the sight I have. Now, In doing so, I've come across this little conundrum. I think I've sort of worked it out, but I want to hear your answer to it. So when I am all about the law of attraction and creating the life I want, visualization is a very powerful tool. It's visualizing what you want to see before it's seen in the visible. Now that's really laying into the non-physical and creating your reality, but you have to give the universe time to mold, the physical frozen light, as you call it, into that reality. Well, when I can't see well and I'm not wearing glasses, it's easier to visualize. Everybody, including myself, looks Photoshopped in my eyes. When I put the glasses on, I'm like, wow, we all have more wrinkles and acne and all these things that I cannot see with the glasses. Everybody looks prettier. Christmas lights look prettier because I can't be as scrutinizing without the glasses of my own body, for example, has been a great area. I've been playing with visualizing body instead of having to manually effort it for the outcome. I feel like I have this situation where it's easier to visualize and stay in my ideal life and create from that blind place than it is to see clearly. And I wonder if that's stopping my eyes from seeing. What are your thoughts?
1: No, I I think you've made a very, very beautiful discovery because one of the places where our vision expands, we not only our vision, but our life expands dramatically in terms of our seeing. We not only see, but we hear, we smell, we touch, we taste. And then we even tap into other dimensions that we do not experience during our everyday waking hours. And that's when we're dreaming. And so in our dreams, our eyes are closed, we're not doing anything, and yet we're seeing these multi-dimensional movies where everything is incredibly heightened at a level that is beyond our effort. And so one, our dream state, gives us an opportunity to experience the fact that there's a profound level of vision that occurs without light and without even the eyes open. So now let's talk about what's happening with your visualization. When your eyes are less focused on the details and seeing more of the big picture, you feel more And your senses are highly sensitized subtlety. And that subtlety makes it very easy to begin to visualize, as you mentioned. But now let's go a little deeper into what you said about the law of attraction and visualizing what you want. And so now I have a question for you. When you say, Oh, I want something. Where did that desire come from?
0: The non-physical, or I could say soul or ego, depending, I guess.
1: How did you become aware of that something that you would like in your life?
0: A thought dropped in my head.
1: Okay, so the thought wasn't from you?
0: No, it's either from my soul or from society, one or the other.
1: (laughs) So basically, what you're speaking about is not the thoughts we have, but you might say the thoughts that have us. Yes. You said they drop into our awareness free of charge. So then on some level, let's go back to this law of attraction and creating what you'd like. Consider the possibility that this something or state in your life that you are now desiring and, and really feel like would enhance the quality of your life, is actually something that came to you free of charge as a gift, as a possibility. And then once that is in your awareness, it is yours. And so then the visualizing of it, it's not as though you created the visualization. It's that you've taken something that, already came to you for reasons you may not understand and is now becoming even more available. To give you an example, my son, who, by the way, is a huge follower of the Abraham work and always sends me lots of little things from that, which are very sweet. He said to me one day, Dad, you really ought to visualize yourself being interviewed by Oprah. And I said, you know, Eric, I would say for the last 10 years, I have had a series of spontaneous flashes that I don't know where they came from, that I was sitting with Oprah having a very beautiful conversation. I said, so I don't actually need to think about it. It's actually been coming into my awareness what the timing of that will be. I am trusting that the timing of that will be the same level of surprise for me as the vision of that that came to me just out of nowhere. So what I'm sharing with you is my senses that these things or situations or states that we find ourselves inspired to move towards are basically part of the guidance we are receiving so that we may fulfill our reason for being. So for instance, someone could say, Jess, that's a nice thing. You want to have clear eyesight without your glasses. Oh, yes, there's a certain level of truth to that. But even though I don't know you for a long time, Jess, what I know about you is that you're like Santa Claus in a female body. (laughs) How so? How is that? Because you're a gift giver. Your whole life is about sharing gifts that you feel could really support people in their life. This is why you have this show. Everyone that you bring on, and especially your own experimentation whether it be with the Abraham work, with the law of attraction, with all the reading and maybe teachers you have had time to spend time with, your experiment with your vision, you're not doing that for you. You are doing that so that you can funnel or channel the direct experience of that to your listeners, which is a blessing. You know, I was once at a service at a church that a friend of mine invited me to and the minister came up to me and he said, would you mind speaking at the next service? And I said, I would love to. And he said, what would you like to speak about? And what the first thing that came to me was my life as a prayer. That rather than praying for it, can your life actually be the prayer, the prayers that you are praying for? And so I see you as an inspired person, just like myself. I don't have any need to have a super fancy car or to have a million dollars. I don't have a personal need for that. If I had great financial abundance it would be wonderful because I love to help people. I love to give money away. I do it whether I have money or I don't. When I come into contact with someone who, like yourself, is a gem, whether it be a young person who is kind enough to bring me my coffee at a place I'm having breakfast, or an elderly person that needs a hand, or whatever, whenever I have the opportunity, The only thing that comes up is a resounding yes. And so all the things that you are guided to use your words to create or to manifest in your life are gifts that you wish to give the world. That's a very, very beautiful place to be. That's a very, very beautiful place to be when you recognize what your life is. In this world, and what your purpose is. So, it doesn't in any way negate the way you are speaking about this or the way that I'm speaking about this. It speaks about using your words, the law of attraction, as an opportunity to have an experience of something and allow it to be your direct experience so that when you share it with others, it's contagious and it has an opportunity to stick in a profound way.
0: That's exactly it, and I think that I've noticed as I've traveled around the world to the conferences I've gone to, there's so much spoken about healing cancer, healing really difficult and very deep emotional wounds that have created deep physical manifestations. But I also realize there is a lot of teachers out there teaching for people that have deep trauma in their lives, but I feel called to share a message of joy and allowing and also to show people that don't have cancer that they also have opportunities to grow and let go of things they thought they needed like glasses or cellulite or any other thing that I'm thinking about. 'Cause there's so many people focus on the very difficult disease, and I'm glad that they are. But I want to show the more mundane and seemingly oh, that's just the way things are stuff. We know cancer's not normal, but we think that eyesight needs glasses, or we think that cellulite's just a part of life. And I wanna see if we can actually let go of these seemingly superficial, but ultimately demonstrating the same principles on a different level and I think that is what has caused me to have this little (laughs) adventure, but I'm wondering still if I'm blocking my own sight because of the benefit of not seeing clearly. Actually,
1: you are seeing much clearer now than you ever have.
0: True, and emotionally much clearer as well, like you said about the glasses and what they do emotionally. So to say
1: that you're seeing less is actually not the case. You're seeing softer. You're seeing with less intensity. When the mind quiets, the heart slows down. And when the eye is not focused on which is better, this or this, it's the same thing as quieting the mind. Something inside us goes, ah, and we begin to see at levels we cannot begin to imagine. We begin to see what is not visible. We begin to see the guiding force in our life. And so, no, you're not missing anything. You're expanding a very, very dramatic part of your being. You know, when you speak to someone who you call a psychic, you say, wow, this person really has the ability to see. But they're not seeing with their eyes. How are they seeing what they're seeing? Well, they're not actually seeing it. It's just coming to them. Then they become aware of it and notice it, and they just share it with you. The psychic isn't looking for something. They have just fine-tuned, honed in the ability to see what is looking for them. And that's a very, very powerful aspect of life. I remember working with a a woman many years ago who was physically blind. She walked with one of those sticks that people who have no sight walk with. And she came to an event of mine, and she said the biggest emotional pain was that I couldn't see. And then she wrote me a letter. She had decided to go back to university at the age of 40-something. And she said every day I used to walk this same path to go to class. And I always felt so insecure because I couldn't see. And this morning, she said, I was walking, and all of a sudden, I had a profound revelation. I said, what was that? And she said, I noticed that all the shrubs, all the flowers, and all the trees, and all the plants were looking at me. And all of a sudden, I didn't feel alone any longer. I realized I didn't have to be doing the looking something was actually looking out for me. And she said, my life changed. Just that little epiphany, my life changed. Well, you're doing an experiment that is allowing you to uncover the broad depth of what you call your ability to see. Well beyond your eyesight and even your insight. What you're uncovering is not... That hindsight is twenty twenty, but that foresight is twenty twenty.
0: What does that mean?
1: It means that you are actually going towards the place that will become aware of things before they actually manifest in your life.
0: Well, that, I guess that is visualizations literally choosing what <laughs> you want to see manifest in your life. But you're also saying, in a more receiving way, that you're also going to receive the information in the same way.
1: Yes, what I'm saying is the reason we are inspired to visualize something is because that something has entered our awareness. And when we became aware of it, of course, the ego immediately says, look what I just thought up. But it comes to us free of charge because it is something that is imperative and important to our journey of life. And so the process of you visualizing it. Is taking that gift, that vision that inspired you, that came to you and actually tasting it more often by seeing it in what you call your mind's eye. So we're saying the same thing. All I'm sharing is that a step to consider as a possibility before the I visualize step is the fact that how did we even Come to become aware that we wanted a new BMW or that we wanted to help people or we wanted to write a book or we wanted to get a visa in Australia.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So I know you've had very many profound visions. What is your thought, the best you can describe, the source of those inspired actions?
1: There is an intelligence in this universe. And you don't need to be a physicist to recognize that. I mean, no one knows what causes the planets to rotate around the sun. The fact that they have very specific orbits that they take, and those orbits have an impact on everything in Mother Nature. And so sometimes women will say, Oh, it's my moon time. Well, that has to do with their cycle and the orbiting of the moon. And here, the moon is inseparable from our physiology. What that means is that everything in this universe is inseparably connected. Every physicist will let you know that. Well, there's something that is animating or moving that connection. I don't know what that something is. Spiritual people call it God or consciousness or light. Scientists speak about it in different terms. None of the terms are actually what it is. I call it an animating force. That animating force is what guides everything on its orbit, on its life's journey, so that it can fulfill its reason for being, whether it is a person, an animal, an ant, an apple tree, or the moon. That moon has to orbit a certain way so that it can influence the cycles of a woman's body in a certain way. To fulfill its purpose, there is an intelligence that is guiding it. All of those divine inspirations that come to us come via that animating force, whatever that is. I haven't got the slightest idea what it is and wouldn't even begin to talk as if I did. I don't. However, I am very, very much inseparable from that. I feel moved by that. I feel guided by that. I feel blessed by that. And it moves my life. This is why when I speak publicly and I'm asked to speak somewhere, which I'll do during my book tour, I never plan a talk. I've never used a PowerPoint presentation. Not that there's anything wrong with a PowerPoint presentation. I never make any notes. I don't give it a thought. And that doesn't mean that I don't notice that the mind gets edgy. When I'm going to give a talk on Saturday night and haven't given it a thought, I can observe the mind saying, Are you crazy? You're going to make a fool of yourself up there. I'm aware of all of that. That used to happen when I was 10 and 14 and 25 and still happens at the age of 70. The only difference is in the past, I thought that worry was me. Now I realize that I'm just aware of that thing we call worry. And it's just like watching a TV. I never think I'm what's going on in the TV. So even though the worry is present, something awakens me in the morning, I make my coffee, I do whatever I need to do. And when Saturday night comes along, I sit in the audience, someone usually makes an announcement or introduces me, I sit down, as I usually do when I speak. I look at the audience. I take a breath. And then by magic, it starts to flow. It just begins flowing without a thought. And it begins by itself. And it ends by itself. And almost every time, it ends to the minute. In fact, when I did my TED Talk, and they... Shows me and invited me to do this TED Talk because it was without any preparation. I said, how long is the talk? They said 18 minutes. And when I was on the stage and there was about, I don't know, 1,300 people in the audience, I didn't realize that they had some sort of a display at the edge of the stage that had a timer that started from 18 minutes and, and started to count down. I never saw the timer. Because all the other people that were doing the talk the day before the TED Talk, they all come to have a dress rehearsal to make sure their talks and their PowerPoints are working and they're exactly 18 minutes. I never went through that, so I didn't know what the stage looked like. So they invited me up and I sat on a stool and I was talking and all of a sudden the last word flowed out of my mouth and my eyes for some reason or other dropped down and it went Zero.
0: Beautiful. Did you write your book the same way? Did you channel the book? Well,
1: I didn't channel the book because a book is very different, especially when you're dealing with publishers. They have something called the Chicago Manual of Style, and it has to be written using certain types of grammatical rules that they have, and so on. And so it's very difficult, unless you're self publishing which I wasn't, to actually channel a book. But what I do is I wait for an inspiration to come. And then often I'll be driving in my car and I'll just put my iPhone on record and I'll just let the talking come. And then I'll transcribe that or have it transcribed. And then that will be the material to begin with. A book is really a story And every story has a beginning. Maybe we don't know what the ending is going to be, but we have the beginning. And so as we begin to share about it, it takes on a life of its own and it starts to share itself. And then that becomes what you call a book.
0: I love it. So what would you tell someone just starting out on this journey?
1: Do what you love. Love what you do and the world will come to you. Essentially, what you feel moved by is what you've fallen in love with. It's what you know by heart. And what you know by heart is your purpose for being. That is what you're here to do, whether it is to have a conversation with Just Lively, or whether it is to write a book, or to paint a painting, or to sing a song, or to fix a pair of shoes or to sew someone up who's cut themselves in an emergency room. These are all different forms of art. Each of us has a different reason for being, and it's usually what we love to do.
0: I love that. What a beautiful, beautiful conversation. Jacob, thank you so much for coming on the show again. It is always a pleasure to have you here.
1: You are so welcome, and I look forward to that hug when I see you.
0: And there you have it. Jacob, thank you so much for coming on the show again, and thank you for listening. If you want to send Jacob a message, you can do so over on Instagram at jacob underscore Lieberman. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C. as in consciousness lively. For show notes for today's episode, head over to jesslively.com slash Lieberman 2 Before I share where I'm headed to next, I'd like to share about my other sponsor today, which is squarespace.com. You guys know when I share a Lively Show sponsor, when I pick someone, I pick them because I genuinely love them. You guys don't know about the ones that I say no to, but if I do not love it, I do not share it. And Squarespace is one of those that has actually been the first sponsor and continues to sponsor the Lively Show, and I truly love them. If you need a website of any kind, whether it's for an event that you're doing, I've known and interviewed people that have done these for their wedding websites. If you need a blog, if you need a online business, if you do online courses, Squarespace is an amazing place to start. My biggest recommendation as always is to get really great photos because the designs are so beautiful, but the photography you put into it is really going to create your site and take it to the next level and make it unique to you. So if you can find the template you like, and then you work, with the photographer to get the shots the way that you want them you're going to be able to create an incredible site for a fraction of the price and difficulty and hassle of other more complicated services so head over to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use the offer code lively to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain i hope you guys love it as much as we have loved using it here at team lively now for where I'm headed to next, I am actually on the move after two months of being happily staying in one place. I am going to Brisbane this weekend. Brisbane is a place I haven't actually spent much, if any, time yet, but I will be there for the weekend for the Soulpreneur Conference. My friend Ezzie Spencer and other Aussie friends that I have met online, like Rachel McDonald and Tara Bliss, who have been on the show, but I haven't actually met in real life or also speaking, so I'm so excited to be able to meet these friends who've been online buddies of the non-physical. in the flesh and blood. So so excited for that. And also what I'm also excited about, this is going to sound kind of funny, but I'm going to be gone for two nights. And that means I get to come home for the first time I've ever been able to do that in about two years now. So it's so fun to be able to go, oh my gosh, I have a pillow and a bed to come home to. Very exciting indeed. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today.